welcome everyone and I'm so gla um, glad that I get a chance to hog the mic legitimately <clears throat> rather than just coming and taking it off of Ben. Um, he asked me to preach on Romans 12 verse 13. Now as you know we've been looking through Romans. I'm not going to ask you what we've been speaking about and what has um, stayed in your mind. The one thing that has stayed in mind is that we are to love each other as Christ has loved us, which I don't even think is in that passage. But this passage is teaching us and helping us learn how to love each other the way God loved us. So I'm just going to add to that. Romans 12 verse 13. Hey, it worked. Now, when Ben, let's just read it together. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. When Ben asked me to speak, I thought, yay, this is good. And then he gave me the scripture. I'm like, really? Can't I do the verse before and the verse like, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show. Like, can't you give me something about the justification of our faith and Christ's sacrifice being the propitiation for our sins and our sanctification and glorification and give me something meaty? Not this. I mean, I could talk for two minutes. I could get Chris up here and go, this is Romans 12:13, Chris Morgan, because she's incredible at this, and there's probably heaps of you as well. She's going to hate me for that. <laughs> she's very humble about her incredible hospitality. But I thought, what am I going to say? Like, yep, if someone needs, if you've got a microwave that you don't need anymore, bring it to the church. Someone who needs a microwave will come and get it. Uh, have people over for dinner, and if you're not good at it, then just take them out for coffee. Yeah, there you go. End. <laughs> But Ben's like, no, there's more. So I had to study. I had to do some work. And unfortunately, if you want to go home early, I've got enough to fill adequately half an hour. So we're going to start looking at some different translations, which is, which is what I always do if I don't quite get what the scripture is saying. I go, hey, what do some other translations tell us about the Bible? The Amplified tells us, contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities of the saints, pursue the practice of hospitality. The new living, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The new international, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And the King James, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. So we're just going to look at the first part. Oh, whoops, I've gone too far. Distributing to the needs of the of the saints. We're going to look at that first bit. Now, oh yes, Greek of the week. I can't be outdone. I'm going to have a Greek of the week. The Greek word used for distributing is koinoneo. Everyone repeat after me, koinoneo. It means, what's that? Good. No, that's not right. Stop, stop it. He's horrible. It means to share with others, to communicate, to distribute, to be a partaker of. Now, when I read that, I thought it reminded me of who remembers the band Koinonia back in the 80s? No, yeah. No one? Come on. Chris does. You don't? Yeah, good on your mouth. They were an incredible jazz, sort of mellow 
musical, like instrumental, I think, yeah, and it was awesome. Anyway, koinonia is very similar to koinonia, nia, oh my goodness, which means partnership, participation, fellowship, communion, distribution, communication, having in common and it all comes from the root word koinos now I just so you know I don't think Damien and Benito who always do Greek of the week put lots of words they just put one so just want to put that out there koinos which is common shared by all or several so this whole concept is one of sharing with fellow Christians what you already have Paul is, and in this verse, Paul is highlighting it around need. If you discover a fellow Christian has a need, he tells us to share what we have to cover that need or to help that need. Now, the Old Testament is filled with example of God's people helping widows, orphans and the poor. There was provision for those in need. Now, I just want to put a little thought out there. Where is that concept common in our society today? Can anyone think of a concept where, every, where everything has, everyone has everything in common? That it's just, if, the, if you've got a TV, everyone else gets to use it. If you've got chocolate chip cookies in the cupboard, everyone helps themselves. What is that concept? Family. So family. Everyone has everything in common. Um, now, I've been around churches for a while and I've often heard this little phrase, um, the church, um, the church, I can't say it, the church, anyone can guess? <laughs> should, should, all right? The church should do this or that. Um, the church should reach out to this person or help that person. The church should visit that elderly lady or provide a meal for this uh, unwell person. Or can't the church provide a fridge for that person doing it tough or replace that mother's broken down car? The church should reach out to this group of people or that group of people. Over and over again I've heard reference to the church in context and I'm sure you've heard that. Why doesn't the church do something about this? Now remember, according to Paul, we should be providing for those in need. And it's pretty clear Paul is talking to the church. He says it's God's people. But where I think the modern church gets it a bit skewed is in their concept of the church. We see the church as an an organisation that can provide for the varying needs of the community. You know, education, childcare, community, cafes elder care, pastoral care, practical help, etc, etc. So example, if you have a gift of serving and you're a great handyman, then you put your name down to help with handyman stuff. Then when someone has a need, they call the church office and they, the church office then call you and you go and fix that elderly person's whatever. The church is fulfilling its call to help those in need. What do you reckon? Does, does sound effective, doesn't it? Unfortunately, God does not describe the church as an organisation. The two biblical pictures of the church in scripture are a body and a family, which ties in very nicely with our comment earlier about family. There is no organisational structure called the church. The church is family. 
The church is you and me. We are the church. So if you find yourself thinking the church should, then maybe you could replace the church with I should. If we come across someone in need, we need to help them. You know, the other issue with today is this. In this day and age, we live our own very independent lives. We strive not to be dependent on anyone or need help from anyone else. If you're successful, you don't need anyone's help for anything. You can pay for this and that. You have the skills for this or that. You, could, you can build a pergola or you can pay for someone to build a pergola. Or you have the emotional capacity to deal with any situation on your own. You don't need support. And the other thing is we fill our days with stuff so that we don't have spare time for anything that isn't scheduled. And this creates two problems. First, we don't like to ask for help because it's a sign that we're weak, that we're not successful. Even if it's just a coffee because you're feeling alone, no one wants to ask because it's admitting that you don't have anyone who's ringing you up. And second, a lot of people don't have time to help because their life is jam-packed with stuff that's important to them. And I'm not really sure what the answer is, but one thing for sure, don't let your first thought be, if you discover a need, I'll ring the pastor and see if the church can help with this problem. Ring the pastor if you want, but maybe to ask him for advice on how can I help this person? How can I bring them what they need? Because maybe I'm not the answer. Paul tells us to help with need. And I don't think he's just talking about resources. Often it's time. You know, in, this, in our society, there are so many agencies today that will provide for a person's need. Back in biblical times, there was no Centrelink. Nowadays, you can, get, you can access support for a whole lot of stuff. But one thing no government agency can give that we in our society is a chronic shortage of is community. A lot of people are starved for meaningful relationship and community. And there would be people in this room that feel like that. But we can give that. We, the church, you and me, can give time for friendship. Regular friendship where all it takes is a phone call or a coffee or a walk along a beach or lunch or munching popcorn together when you watch a movie. You know, why should we help? Why should we distribute to the needs of the saints? Does anyone remember an old, old um, song? I'm really showing my age here. Jehovah Jireh, my provider's grace is sufficient for me, for me. Oh, yay. <laughs> Some of you remember it. What does Jehovah Jireh mean, anyone? My provider. Jehovah Jireh is one of the names of God and it talks about how he is the provider. I think I've got a scripture. There, and it is one of God's promises to us. Is that the right one? Yes. 
And now I have it all. This is Paul. And keep getting more. The gifts you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. That means that people gave to Paul and God smelled it as a sweet-smelling fragrance. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from, out from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity. Yes, God will provide your needs. He promises that. And what, it, what are the two pictures of, um, of the church in the, in the Bible? One is family. What's the other one? The body of Christ. So we are the body of Christ. Therefore, we need to act as Jesus, which is what this whole thing is about, loving others as Christ loved us. God is our provider. So doesn't it seem like that's a practical way for us to love others is to provide what they need? God's practical application of love includes providing for our needs. That means as much as we are able, within our means, help one another, make time for one another. God is not asking you to provide something you don't have. Like a family, everyone gets to share whatever's happening in the the house. Unless you put your name on it in the cupboard, do not eat that, that is mine. That is what we need to view this whole pas- this whole scripture as. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember it. What was it? Um, distributing to the needs of the of the saints. And remember, in Acts, it talked about everyone having everything in common. We're not asking you to give what you don't have. If you need your microwave to cook your meal every night, don't give it away. But give something you do have. Give what you can share with others. And for a lot of us, that is time. Time. So I really want to encourage you that what uh, Paul is telling us here is to, to love each other practically by, by including people in what you have. Now, this um, second half of this scripture, hopefully I'll... Yep. Pursue the practice of hospitality. There are, um, there's a couple of other references to hospitality in the New Testament. Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Ooh, who wants to entertain an angel? You've got to be hospitable to someone you don't know. Unless you live with an angel, which I do. Ben is very angelic. <laughs> but And one Peter, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Mm. They're very clear scriptures. You know, the practice of hospitality is throughout the Bible. You might want to hunt for a scripture that tells you, and there are there, but throughout the Bible there is... Um, there is examples, and that's another way when you read the Bible, don't just just take literal bits, get the whole picture. It's good to read the whole Bible because you begin to understand common themes and things that God does over and over again. And uh, hospitality is another one that is throughout the Bible. Scott Cormode, 
this guy I found on the internet. He's a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary in America. Don't hold that against him, but um, no, I shouldn't say that. I'll take that back. I'll take that back. (laughs) Um, He had a whole lot of really good stuff. And he points out, and I just wanted to add that so you didn't think I'd spend hours Um, researching I'd only spent probably an hour not hours anyway he explains that God welcomes Adam and Eve into the garden of Eden it was his garden and he welcomed them in in it was an act of hospitality and Abraham time and time again in Genesis 12 13 18 and 19 he shows hospitality to strangers over and over again Rahab received the Hebrew spies, she was in Jericho and because of that, her and her family were the only ones that that were rescued. Elijah receives hospitality from a widow. Elisha was hosted by another widow and the Jewish law is really clear. I think I put this one up here. Leviticus, this is really clear. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And later on, God uses the prophets to remind Israel and Judah that they will be judged based on how they care for widows, orphans and the stranger. God cared about how we treated strangers. The feeding of the 5,000 in the New Testament was a classic act of hospitality. It was not the disciples' responsibility to feed all those people, but Jesus took it upon himself and included the disciples to feed and care for, to provide a meal for those 5,000 plus people. And the the picture of having a meal with someone is used over and over again throughout the New Testament. Jesus ate constantly at people's houses and with people he didn't know well. Tax collectors, disreputable women, um, sinners and Pharisees, even religious leaders. Jesus used parables about big feasts as an example of sharing the kingdom of God. And in Acts 2.46... The early church broke bread in each other's homes. Another reference to that time when the church just was prospering. They had everything in common and they broke bread in each other's homes. Communion. What is communion? Breaking bread, drinking wine. Well, obviously it's not wine here. But that is symbolic of a meal where you break bread together and you have a glass. It's symbolic. The very thing we do every often, (laughs) the very thing that... Um, um, Jesus told us to do is symbolic of having a meal together and then sorry I need to have a a drink stop laughing at me Gracie you'll be up here one day Um, and the best of all well almost the best of all in the book of Revelation who's read Revelation who hasn't read Revelation don't have to put up your hand one honest person in the room, Sammy. He hasn't. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, you have to read it. The marriage supper of the Lamb is one big meal. At the end of the days, God in the Bible tells us we're going to have a massive meal. Why would God say that if it's not? If it's just it's because 
eating together, going into someone's house is important to God for whatever reason, and there's heaps of them. And then there's my favourite passage in the Bible, almost favourite, Psalm 23. And I put this up because you can never read this too many times, so we're going to read it together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was really good. But in that incredible um, uh, psalm, there is a meal right in smack bang in the middle. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. Hospitality matters to God. Now, this is where it gets X, X, I can't say S's, exciting. More Greek of the week. <laughs> Philoxenia. I don't remember them ever, ever having more Greek, but anyway, there it is. This word, this is the biblical word in that passage. And it is a compound of the word philos, to love like a friend, and I can't say that one, xenos, to stranger or foreigner. So this concept of loving someone like a friend who you don't know. Now, Latin of the week, just thought I'd drop that in there. The English word hospitality... It's the word hospitalitis, which to me sounds like a disease. I don't know about you. The infection of a hospital. Actually, the inflammation of a hospital, let's be honest. No. So this is where our word, the English word hospitality, comes from. Yeah. The relationship between guest and host, and the root word is hospice. Guest, stranger, or... Visitor, and it's actually interesting because it is where the word hospital comes from. Um, yes, it refers to welcoming a guest. So, what does hospitality actually mean to us? Whoa, <laughs> English of the week. Tell you what, now we have the English of the week. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hospitality. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary, where is it? It tells us hospitable treatment. That's incredible. Don't you love it when they do that? They define a word by, by another word that's in that word. Anyway. Reception or disposition given to generous and cordial reception of guests, promising or suggesting a generous and friendly welcome, offering a pleasant or sustaining environment. There's the food. Readily receptive, open, hospitable to new ideas. Now, hospitable 
means the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of, of guests, visitors or strangers. Now, I know this isn't groundbreaking for you. You probably already knew this, but I thought I'd throw it in just so we can think. Now, it's interesting, the Webster Dictionary definition uses the terms hospitable disposition, readily receptive, open, hospitable to new ideas. When we invite someone in for a meal, we are being open to that person and choosing to overlook something that might otherwise naturally prevent us from welcoming them into our home. Even if it's just we don't really know them, that would naturally prevent us. But what about this concept, inviting someone into your life or my life by being open to that person, choosing to overlook something that might otherwise prevent you from inviting them into your world, even if it's just you don't know them very well. Choosing to overlook their differences, their culture, their physical appearance, their behaviour, their beliefs, their, even their sins. You know, we naturally spend time with people we connect with, we get on with. There are some similarities, if not a lot. I hang out with Judy and we're nothing alike. <laughs> but I overlook her <laughs> differences. <laughs> but hospitality is talking about overlooking differences like you don't know them because often you don't spend a lot of time with people you don't have a lot in common with. And hospitality is talking about connecting with those people. Jesus did this, of course he did. He befriended all types of people, even religious leaders. And remember, our challenge is to love others like Jesus loves us. Scott Cormo, do you remember me mentioning him earlier? He said this incredible quote, well, it's actually a passage. Hospitality, hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of community to those who do not have the standing to expect it. I'll just say that again. Hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of community to those who do not have the standing to expect it, especially those who are vulnerable because they are strangers. Hospitality often involves sharing meals, but hospitality is about more than eating. Eating is, for example, one of the privileges of being in my family. My kids have the right to expect to be fed every single night. When I share a meal with them, it is not an act of kindness. I owe it to them. When I share such a meal with an outsider, I invite them into my family for that brief period. Hospitality, oh, it's there. Hospitality is not about elaborate, oh. hospitality is an offer to identify with out, outsiders and treat them like insiders. Hospitality is extending privilege across difference. I just thought that was really incredible. Scott also says, our Christian motivation for extending hospitality to the stranger is our experience of receiving hospitality from God. We were estranged from God with no claims on God. But God, in his great love for us, offered us hospitality while we were yet sinners. 
He invited us into his household, not just as guests, but as adopted joint heirs with Christ. Not only do we get to spend eternity with him, but now he brings his kingdom into our lives. Everything he has, the kingdom of God, all the, the richness of his glory mentioned earlier about he will provide according to the richness of his glory. He has everything you need and he invites that to give to you. But then he also adopts us as his very own children, moving from the stranger bit to the family bit. God's hospitality came at a cost. His only son had to suffer and die and rise again so that we might have a place once again at God's table. Hospitality is at the core of the Christian experience. Hospitality is not about elaborate meals or perfectly groomed homes. Hospitality is about sharing real life together. It is about living life in community. You know, I know it's not easy to be open and welcoming to someone you don't know. I understand that. But like anything God asks us to do, anything that God asks us to be obedient in, ask God to help you. And take that first step. Learn to be open and welcoming in your heart because that is where it begins. Learn to look past people's differences and see Jesus in the stranger or the person you don't know very well. There's a powerful passage in Matthew 25 and I just want to read this as I close. And I don't want it to be condemnatory. I don't want you to feel condemned, but I want you to allow it to help you to understand how important it is that we reach out to people, that we act as the body of Christ, that we are obedient. You know, your faith in Christ is nothing if there are not works. Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. And in a lot of these areas, it's that act of obedience, even though you might not feel it, even though it's hard. And the incredible thing is, like I just said, God helps you. God, he doesn't want you to do something you feel uncomfortable with in your own strength or on your own. The Holy Spirit is with you. He will help you. I promise if you just go, God, help me love beyond my comfort zone. Help me have an open heart to stuff I don't agree with or I don't understand. Help me, Holy Spirit. I promise you, he will help you and you will be able to be obedient. You will be able to take that step if you just include God in your struggle. So this scripture is not meant to be condemnatory. It's meant to help you realise how important it is. Matthew 25, 34. This is a parable that Jesus is telling the disciples. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. 
Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever, when did we ever see you um, sick or in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. You know, as I'm reading this, I actually feel convicted because I... I'm not good at hospitality because in my mind it's got to be perfect when I have someone over like the food to taste good and so I'll have people over now I've actually got to that point but if someone unexpected gets invited especially someone I don't know I react I don't know like it makes me I'm not good at this and as I'm reading this I feel convicted I need to grow you know, the Holy Spirit promises to walk with you through any situation. And if being warm, welcome, generous and open to a stranger is something you find hard, ask him and expect him to walk with you. God is clear. He expects us to be hospitable. It is not an option, depending on your gifting. In our own unique way, with God's help, we can, each of us, show hospitality to those among us we don't know very well and for those we meet that we don't know at all. You know, but both aspects of this verse go hand in hand. Being family to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ and inviting into our family those who aren't. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that we are one big family here. God, thank you for what you've done in our, our lives as individuals. God, you've, each one of us have our story to tell of how you've just come in and, and you've made everything different. You've brought light into our heart. and We've got our own battles, our own struggles, our own strengths, our own weaknesses. And Lord, we come face to face with a, a command for... A, something you're asking us to be obedient in and some people might find this easy and others may not. God, thank you for the challenge to give even when we don't really want to, to give of ourselves even when it's easier to stick within our comfort zone. But God, the challenge for us to be family and to love like you loved means we have to step outside of our comfort um, zone, each of us. 
And so, Lord, I pray for every room, every person in this room, and you know them all so intimately. God, I pray that you would speak to them now. Just maybe um, put on their hearts little things they can do or little attitudes they may need to repent of or little steps of obedience that you want them to follow. And Holy Spirit, we need you so much. But God, we're so guilty of forgetting that you're even part of our lives, forgetting that you live inside of us, that you're our constant companion, someone who we can lean on in the small stuff and the big stuff. And so Holy Spirit, forgive us for that and help us to lean on you. Remind people, God, that you're there and that we can ask for help from you. I pray, God, that you would help this church grow in its ability to share with others in need and to be hospitable. God, I pray to show hospitality. God, I just ask, bless every person. For those who have a need, give them courage to ask. And for those who have, give them courage to to, um, to share with others and give us courage to reach out to those we don't know. God, we just commit this to you in your incredible name.